Howdy partners and welcome to One L Two N Podcast. I'm Amy and we're joined by some rootin' two folks today. Melissa. Hi, y'all. Michael. Yo. Thomas. Howdy. And our tootinist guest, William. Yo. <laughs> we're a family of creatives going through the story writing process and we're bringing you along for the ride. Hello, everyone. Welcome. How is everyone doing this week? I think before I, you know, start saying anything else, that was definitely the most depressing yo we've got from Liam. I know. I it was mean, slow, delayed, and just sad. Yeah. Belief. Raspy. He's like aged six years since the last podcast. Like, oh my goodness, <laughs> what has Liam seen? What the what the audience doesn't know, it's been six years. Dun, dun, oh dun. God. <laughs> he's graduated. He's enlisted. He's gone off to war. He's been discharged, he's back home, and all the things he's seen in the last six years are more than he can handle. <laughs> he's fine. He doesn't want to talk about it. <laughs> oh, oh is that what it is? <laughs> I'm doing great. Thank you, Amy, very much. This week I started <laughs> Lego Star Wars with Liam, the new Lego Star Wars, and it's been an utter joy. Those devs had a blast making this game. Like, the humor, I was expecting it to fall flat. Nope, 90% of it is genuinely hilarious, and I'm loving it so far. It's a good game. That's my week, though. That's all I've been doing, that <laughs> and mixing Curse and Tree. <laughs> my entire week is playing Lego Star Wars. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I've been doing, you know, standard school. We are mixing, so mixing will be pretty fun. It's almost almost done. How is school going? <laughs> Hopefully. School, school. I mean, it's it's. I've, I've got senioritis quite bad mm. right now like i just <laughs> just don't care you know i'm so close to the finish line i'm like i had great grades and now i'm just like as long as i pass it does not matter so you went from i'm a be valedictorian to c's get degrees kind of attitude. oh yes that's exactly <laughs> this last semester i'm just like don't care want to work on cursing tree don't want to write paper speaking of which as soon as we finish the podcast i have a paper that i have to write which is due tomorrow and I put the oh, intro in. That's fun. So that sounds about right. I used yeah. to write papers like two hours before they were due. Yeah. Usually I start a little bit earlier than this one, <laughs> but this one I was just like, nah, it's it's good. I got this. Yeah. There's still X number of hours left until I have to click the send button. It's I, I fine. do feel really bad because just about every teacher this semester has been like, you guys aren't required to show up to class, but you know, you if you're required to learn the materials, and that was like. The worst thing I've ever heard. Because now it's <laughs> don't give me permission. Yeah, my alarm fly. goes off Why at like six forty, and I go, oh, you know, I don't really need to go to class. They told me I didn't, so really, it's their fault. <laughs> uh, that's why I like the virtual classes. Alarm goes off. I've got fifteen minutes to grab some coffee, go to the bathroom, and turn my camera on. Yeah. Well, and I'm I'm trying to walk to school, which is about three miles away. So it takes me about 45 minutes to get there um, from walking. If I go to school in the morning, I have to get up and I have to get, you know, my coffee and bagel and all that sort of stuff and then get out the door way before I actually get to school. So it's really hard sometimes when you're, you could drive, but not only is diesel very expensive, but I want to get in better shape. So I'm trying to walk lots more places, but that's fair enough. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's so much worse when you have to get up two hours before you have to be at class as opposed yeah. to 15 minutes. This is why you just don't go to school and it's fine. Just kidding. How's the dash treating you, Amy? The dash? Uh huh. Oh, oh. Cause that's the city. I, the dash. I get it. Yeah. Our city, the city I currently live in, has a dash in it. That's that's what he meant. It's good. It's it's a really really pretty town. We actually went out, got some drinks with one of Tommy's friends, and it was really fun just seeing a totally different side of the the city. And yeah, it was it was really nice. I'm really liking the town, and it's it's weird. It's like a mixture of big city and small city all at the same time. And I'm really enjoying it. Tommy's kind of showing me some of the areas and we're going to, we're still slowly exploring just because, yeah, we have so much, you know, editing we have to do, whether it's Cursing Tree or podcasts, but it's been really, really nice. Really liked it. So yeah, it's it's nice being able to explore a new area and having kind of a tour guide built into it, which is <laughs> yeah, nice. Boy. Yeah, it is nice. But, it's it's also nice to actually being a tour guide. It's it's nice 
knowing history and places to go throughout the city so i can be like here we're gonna check out black mountain chocolate and we're gonna enjoy it and then we're gonna go to quarry park and then we're gonna go to uh bailey power plant and we're just gonna have fun the entire time so it's mandatory like, enjoyment and fun is what it sounded like Tommy. yeah it is <laughs> yeah it's kind of like he's like we're gonna go here tomorrow so get up and get prepared i'm like oh okay all right mm-hmm. what's well, <laughs> nice too is since you know i'm being a tour guide and i'm the mechanic there i'm like hey hal sorry but i'm taking out these bikes oops <laughs> one for me one for my sister and then that's what we're gonna do we're gonna like quote unquote rent them for an hour or two you gotta just shake them down make sure that they're working properly yeah 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 i'm just an assistant tester so Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah yeah there we go that's a good one but i i will say the 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 most exciting thing that happened to me this week was i got a new water bottle i'm so excited it's got a little case to it and it's got a strap i can carry it with and it's got different different lids so i can have a sippy sippy straw lid or just like a regular screw on top it's 87 ounces it's metal so it keeps it nice and cold ah i'm in love it's so exciting to have a nice big water bottle glorious yeah i love it so and it's it's actually really pretty right now it's just the black cases on it but it's like kind of tealy blue going into like black gray Mm, on the bottom nice Nice little gradient so yeah yeah big fan beautiful and then I also uh, popped two blood vessels in my fingers today when we were playing Frisbee. So, you know, my week's been super exciting. It's just a typical Amy week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Really I did one and I was like, oh, that hurts. And then like a half an hour later, I did the other. I was like, what? what is wrong with me? <laughs> I don't understand how you so easily injure yourself. You just walk outside and Mother Nature's like, today's the day. Except <laughs> that day's usually every day. So... <laughs> Basically, yeah. What do you want to do today, Amy? The same thing I do every day. Injure <laughs> <Hurt> myself. <laughs> myself. <laughs> yeah. Well, today we are going to talk about music. What? No, ah. so crazy. Specifically, Tommy wanted to talk about uh, music that we're doing for Cursing Tree and how we are only doing music for our audio narratives and we're not doing sound effects. Sound effects? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, sound, sound design, design I guess, might be. Sound the... design. Yeah. 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 And so, yeah, we just well, kind of wanted to delve into that and, and talk about how music is, is awesome and how it can affect the, the moments and moods of different scenes as well. I think there's two major reasons why we didn't choose to go into sound effects slash sound design. One was definitely because it, it takes us, we're already riding the line so close to cheesy that the moment you add sound effects or sound design, it crosses you way over that line. And so I think it alienates a lot of viewers or anyone who might be interested immediately. They just hear like a, a door creaking or, I don't know, pots and pans falling and they're like, uh, this just kind of feels awkward and clunky. And I think it it plays into our second reason that like our sound design is the music so whatever we can come up with within the music like composition wise that can quote unquote mimic the sound that we're going for or at least convey the feeling that we're going for immediately elevates it elevates the narration so to speak because it, it you're not hearing that that you know door opening sound effects 13 every time a door opens so it's like and i don't know if you felt this way mike but like there's a lot of things when composing the cursing tree where even though we don't have sound effects some of these things kind of sound cheesy and we don't want it to sound cheesy yeah, I, it's it's definitely personal preference for whether or not you enjoy sound effects in audio mediums. I think that they do have use. One of the best mediums that I, I have come across in terms of kind of what we want to do, but, you know, it's definitely a little bit different narratively, is Radiolab. You can hear their stuff on most NPR stations or you can download their podcast. We're not sponsored by them. I just really like the way that they do their sound design in general because they have a really nice mixture of narration. Sometimes they do some audio and music, but then they do have a lot of sound effects. I I don't know if this is true, but I feel like when I listen on the radio to an audio play, that's when you have big overacting voices 
the cheesy sound effects, some music, and it just takes me out of the moment. It doesn't feel as personal or as close. But uh, something like Radiolab, I believe that they also record a lot of their own sounds for sound effects. So if they are, you know, out in a farming field, they might record a, a tractor right there. And it's different if you have a Foley artist doing a tractor sound in a studio then that might not actually fit into the audio space that you are trying to present. So it might actually detract from what you're listening to because you inherently know, okay, that person's voice and that tractor were not recorded in the same spot. And it sometimes just throws you away. So I I would actually love to do something with sound effects in the future. But it, I think it would be something where we'd probably record all of our own sound effects. And yes, yeah, I would like to do a better version of an audio play, mm-hmm. which will take work. But I think the first and most important step for us, obviously, is music. You know, we wanted to to use what we've heard all our lives to tell a story. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree that using your own or at least recording your own sound effects immediately makes it feel a little better because if you were if you were just constantly hearing Wilhelm scream yeah in any of your audio plays you're like nope 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 I don't want to listen to this and it's it's just because it's something you've heard already and you've heard it in Star Wars you've heard it in every other freaking B movie out there so it's it's like you've already heard this and now you're hearing it here and you're like this doesn't belong here this is somewhere else and I think in-house sound design in my opinion, a lot more work, but definitely a lot better because you can create something that belongs where it belongs and it's it just feels more real. Yeah. Which is important. I guess, yeah. I guess kind of going back to, to what you were saying about cheesiness as well, I, I, I do feel like there's uh, several points when we were writing and we went, okay, that is a little cheesy. So there's something about it that just doesn't sound right. And yes. I can't really put my finger on what cheesiness is. It's actually something that I'm I'm trying to figure out because if you can figure it out, it's a lot easier to avoid it or eliminate it. But I guess cheesiness for me is something that is expected and unwanted at the same time in terms of music at least. Are you So Oh, okay. Uh, so imagine that we are writing a piece of music and it is like horror-esque, right? And all of a sudden we have a metal sheen come in. (laughs) That's cheesy to me because it's something you expect of an audio thing and you don't want it because you've heard it a million times. It doesn't add anything that's unique to that individual composition, in my opinion. So I don't know. I guess how do we avoid cheesiness? What is cheesy in terms of music? To me, I also think of it as taking shortcuts or cheating to get a quick end result instead of actually taking the time and putting detail into making something original and unique and polished. Cheesy feels unpolished. And it also conveys that you don't care. Like this part of the music isn't yes. important enough for me to give a darn about, to put any effort into. And I, I always feel like that's that's 100% not our goal because we want to care tremendously about these products. I mean, we even went to the point to say once we we thought we were good with a rough draft, you guys gave us feedback and then we made we wrote extra sections and then took out other sections. Like we re-recorded narration, re-recorded a bunch of the actual music because these two elements are supposed to be working together. They're not supposed to be like oh, we're going to take this royalty-free music over here and just slap it right on the narration because we think it works. They're supposed to be telling the exact same story. And if they aren't, well, then something has to be redone, either in the narration or the the actual music itself. And I think that's one of the props of us doing everything in-house, like doing it all ourselves. It takes a lot longer, for sure, the mixing, the narration, the music, all the writing. but. I think in the end, it definitely is, you can tell it's more of a passion project rather than cheese, I guess. And it's so hard because <laughs> I, I feel like the product we've created isn't necessarily cheesy, but that's also left to the audience to decide because if the audience feels that way, well, it's how they feel and we shouldn't neglect their feelings. <laughs> so I'd say that not everything that was changed was because it was cheesy. Sometimes it no. was more because this section is repetitive. Yeah. Or this section yeah. just has too much detail in it. It's 
unnecessary. Yeah. Yes, or exactly. That there was like certain detail that you wanted to stick out more because you felt it was necessary. Yeah. Like, like I this that is distracting of... away from this. No, the, well, not even that. The one thing I was thinking of is there's a moment where, well, I don't want to spoil anything, but there is a, uh, an impactful moment, literally an impact, and you wanted it a little more bassy to get that feel of the the drama of that moment. So it's stuff like that where it's, it's not even cheesiness. It's just, yeah, we want to bring the intensity up to make it more prominent. But I, I will say for Missy, what you were saying is that I feel like those sort of sound effects that you can get, it's not just a shortcut, but I think it's actually denying the creator, whether it's us or whoever, the opportunity to try to come up with something unique to yeah. represent that sound instead. And I think there's a moment in the cursing tree where you guys have kind of, you're talking about two different birds or something, and just the play on music of the birds kind of talking. You can feel that their moment in the story represented through the music rather than having little birds chirp at each other. And I think that that's such a really unique thing. I mean, with birds, it's easy because they, you know, they are very songful. But what you're saying is they conveyed their dialogue through music instead of through the sound effect of chirping. Exactly, exactly. And I think it actually made it more interesting because you could pick that out in the music and it's more of a complex thing to listen to. And it, you know, has layers like it's it's something you can easily listen to multiple times and still find new things like, oh, they did that because it represented this. And yeah. I think one of those bird moments, or at least the first one I designed, Mike designed uh, another one that I really like, but I was listening to a bunch of like mating calls and chirpings of this specific bird, and then I realized a lot of those chirps didn't necessarily sound musical. They were either like flat or monotone, or they just were like up and down, so I actually combined two different of the exact same bird type chirps to create something musical, so it it was a way for me to work around physically adding bird chirps and keep it in the music while still telling the same story. And I think those are a lot of those those little fun things that we love to add in our music. I picked up this term from uh, Andrew Wong. Ear candy is what I like to put it as. <laughs> just like little bits and pieces of just like shims and shines that you wouldn't necessarily put to anything specific unless the narration is there and you're like, oh, those shims and shines stand for the bird chirping or so on and so forth. So Little yeah. audio it, nuggets. Audio <laughs> nuggets. Yeah, that's a good one too. I, yeah, I was going to talk about that specific bird moment, which you know you guys will hear when you listen to the main thing. But birds, as it, it's funny because as humans, we think birds are very musical creatures. But then as a musician, when you're trying to emulate a bird, you realize how like almost chaotic it is. It's not like they follow a yeah. scale. It's you know, they, jazz. They, 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 it kind <laughs> of, yeah. I mean, they have their own it's rules got... and their, their own sounds to it. And it does have a musical nature to it. But, you know, when, when we're writing stuff, one of the things that Tommy and I want to do musically is take those small moments and figure out a way to highlight it. Figure out a way to bring birds into the background that also works concurrently with the music and the story that's going on and doesn't stick out and kind of blends in a little bit. Now, there are moments, obviously, that do stick out quite a bit in this, but I don't know how people will react to hearing it because I know a lot of times when I, when I go to listen to things for the first time, especially if it's not what I was expecting, my reaction is to not listen to it. I'm just like, oh, no, I don't want to do this. Yes. You know? no, I don't want to watch this video. I don't want to see this thing. It's very hard to sort of catch your attention right away and make somebody genuinely interested in it. And I think the hardest part that might be with the cursing tree is we, we have tried to get more attention grabbed and then tell a story. But I think the big payoff for the, what we do musically is about 35 to 40 minutes into the process yeah. and it, it is definitely a commitment to listen to something that long to hear all these different threads come together at once but we're just hoping you know people kind of enjoy it but i think it's a unique experience you know i i've said on this podcast before i've listened to a lot of audiobooks and listening to the cursing tree has been so wonderful because 
I feel like music really draws you in, right? And it's wonderful to be able to be drawn in with that music from the beginning, I feel like, and to have a story to go with it. And you're saying the payoff doesn't come until later. Sure. But I think right away, I think people will see the kind of, you know, story and the kind of ideas that we want to put out there in general. And I think that they're I really hope that people are going to like it because I listening to it a million times and still loving it every time I hear it. It's just so wonderful to to hear something so unique. I'm not saying, you know, we're the first people to do it because we're not. But I think because we're putting we're doing everything in house, like Tommy was saying, we're putting so much time and effort into it. I think we have such a good product here that people are really going to enjoy it from the beginning. And if they don't, just listen for like 30 more minutes and maybe, and you know, and then after that, continue, just listen to the whole thing and then listen to it again, share it with your friends, talk about, you know, if you enjoyed it or not, just to really fully in depth get the, the tone of it. Yes. Well, I also like, share, like, subscribe, like, obviously. No. <laughs> we actually talked about this a, a few weeks back, but Mike was talking about production quality and how. He didn't really want to watch campaign one of Critical Role because the production quality was just, for lack of a better word, shit. Like it just wasn't wasn't of a professional manner that grabbed Mike's attention. And I think we definitely kept that idea in mind because I, I know if I came out the gate with some terrible sounding strings that it would immediately be like, nope, I cannot listen to this. This is... This is not what I want in a media product. And I, I think, not to pat ourselves on the back, but I, I we've invested a lot of money and time specifically for this idea to sound as professional as it can be without having, you know, real artists. A live orchestra this. recording. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One so day. I, I will, I'll, I'll kind of piggyback that to kind of go off of what Missy and Amy were saying about using sound effects that are pre-recorded. We are using instruments that are pre-recorded. Uh, we are using yeah, sampled are. orchestral instruments. <gasps> frauds. And we're trying to make it the best that we possibly can. And we're not using looped sounds by any means where, you know, yeah. there is already a, a phrase that has been recorded. We are recording individual notes that have already been sampled. It's been really, really fun for me because, it, you know, all my life I, I kind of wanted to do this in about a year ago, I realized it was actually possible and affordable in quotations. <laughs> yeah, Affordable for Dilly's Tommy. <laughs> affordable if you are very passionate about it and you actually want to make it a business and stuff, then yeah, it's it's definitely or affordable. If everybody has a hobby and if this is what you want to pour your spare change into, it is yeah. possible. I do think that I understand when people use stuff like sound effects that are pre-recorded. Yes, because it's accessible. And I understand why we're doing pre-recorded instruments, so to speak, or, you know, sampled instruments. It's not pre-recorded. Yeah. Is because there are limitations to creativity. As much as we don't want to think about it, budget is a massive limitation to any creative project. And it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be creative if all you have is those sound effects that are already available. I guess the, the way I'm trying to put it is, don't do what everybody else does with the same sound effects. Figure out your own unique way to make those sound effects or the sampled instruments. Make them what you want. And I think that is much more important than just doing what everybody else does. If we had an unlimited budget and, you know, maybe at one day we'll do like a Kickstarter and uh, our Kickstarter will be to record the Cursing Tree or any of our other stories with a live orchestra, which is something I would love to do. Yeah. It would be a different experience for it in that aspect. But until then, yes, you, you want to have the best unique product that you can without trying to copy somebody else. And I think that maybe might be my core to trying to not be cheesy. All I'm yeah. picturing <laughs> is one day people can actually go to like a theater or something and we'll have like a live orchestra actually play one of our, our stories. I think that'd be really, really fun yeah, to be able to see. Fun goal. Oh, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> that would be awesome. You know, we're, we're dreaming at this point, but it's it's something that I want to work towards is doing 1L2N Live, which mm -hmm. is us doing stories and having it be theatrical, having some sort of animation involved in the background while we're reading off the oh, narratives, yeah. having lights, having 
having it be a theatrical experience as opposed to just going and listening to live music. Yes. Because there's so many things that you could do that would be just <laughs> interpretive <and> dance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it would be it would be really cool. Hilariously enough, the more I talk about the idea and Carson Tree and everything with that, the more he's like you should get animators, get animators to do this with the cursing tree. And I'm like, e eventually, yes, we would love to do something like that because I think it would be really cool. But until that moment, I don't think anyone of us can animate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so there, we are there's all a artist, but not that kind of art. Yeah. 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 Well, it, it, it's kind of interesting. So, uh, Rooster Teeth Productions, which, you know, they were like, grandfathers of the internet in terms of yeah. you know media production really they're one of the first big companies yeah. to come out doing um, lots of online content one of the things they started off with was a series called red vs blue and it's pretty famous but you can see there's a point in the series when the artistic style changed drastically and that what they were doing is they were recording machinima with halo like the video game and they were using the the point of view of the character as a camera but they realized very quickly that that was not a unique product because anybody else could do the exact same thing and the only thing that would differentiate them would be the story that they already had going on but it's so mm. easy to replicate that they wanted to push the genre. So they hired Animator, which was uh, Monty Ohm, to start adding animation to the Red vs. Blue series. Because at that point, you take it from something that everybody else can do to a not only an elevated art form, because now you're combining mediums together, but you are just making something that is harder to replicate and it is more unique, which in my opinion gives it a slightly different artistic value for it. So yes, yes. I... I would love to get some animators on board. It, it all depends upon if we actually ever make money with one L2N. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but that is that is absolutely a goal is try to expand to different mediums because why wouldn't you? If you can support another huh. artist doing something they're good at and you can bring that into your fold, it's like heaven to me. That's the dream. Yeah, that's absolutely yeah. the dream. Because you just have passionate people supporting passionate people and then... Yeah that just begets more creativity so oh, it's it's a wonderful thing i i will say mike was saying that you know he'd love to do a story at some point that has sound effects and i think that'd be really fun to do kind of like an old-timey radio play but nothing so long and serious just something fun to give a nod to the old-timey radio plays not necessarily to okay this is our new style so yeah it's Perhaps not like we're like completely... a Western theme. Oh, you know, hmm. <laughs> something in the works. Who knows? <laughs> but it, it would be really, really fun to sort of incorporate that because it is fun to use sound effects. We're not completely dissing sound effects. We're just saying for the majority of our products, that's not the route that we want to go. And that's not how we want to tell stories on a regular basis. But I do think it would be fun to just do like one off with, with all the like corny, cheesy, yeah. like it's especially if the goal was to be like a cheesy sort of nod to a, to an era that is not really around anymore. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. With, like the whistle, like woo. <laughs> well, I, I think there's a Strong difference answer. between doing a nod to something and then doing that same thing. You know, when you do a True, nod to yes. it, you you know right away what you're doing, why you're doing it, what the purpose is, what the tone is. But if you're just trying to make another audio play and you go, well, what is everybody else doing? Oh, they're putting sound effects in. Yeah. All right. I'm going to open up this door. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> you know oh that, oh that was the main castle gate but that's the only sound effect we had so we put in the door you know it's just it there, there's there's ways to take inspiration from things that have already come out and make it into your own and i think that that's yeah. what what i would like to do in the future for an audio play although i am not opposed to also doing a tongue-in-cheek we know what we're doing here is an old-timey <laughs> thing i think both of them have value i think the thing that doesn't have value is trying to copy another work without taking inspiration from it and making it your own yes, yes. yeah I mean, and i think that that's a fine line with anything creative is trying to create something unique that might be inspired by something else but ultimately trying to make it your own that's a very hard thing to do i feel like because there's i mean everything that's been written has already been written 
pretty much. And so it's just trying to take pieces from here and there that have already been written and trying to make them something different, which is very difficult. And a lot of times people are like, oh, well, that's that's actually from this or you took that idea from this. And sometimes it's very blatant, like someone's completely copying a story. You're like, OK, well, clearly that's this already it's existing story. This other thing. Yeah, it's complete, completely plagiarized. So I think what we're trying to do, especially with the fact that everything's in-house and we're the one writing these stories, we're the one creating the music for these stories, I think that will help us. And I think because we also have a group here, it'll kind of keep us in check of like, eh, that sounds too close to this. Maybe we should try something else. You know, we we all are checks and balances. Uh, I will say that there is a downside to doing everything all in person like all in-house so to speak yeah oh yeah i think there's a few yeah there, there's several downsides actually you have but limitations yeah. Um, you know. yeah well we have limitations but we also don't have an outside opinion which oftentimes yes. you really need and knowing this while we are going through the mixing process here it's not going to be a professional mix we're going to try and get it as close as we can and get it acceptable and get it so that people are really hyped when they listen to it but i am not a professional audio mixer and neither is tommy we are learning how to do this as we go and it would be beneficial in the future to send it off to somebody mm, yeah for sure but that all being said i would say that feedback is probably the most important aspect to just about anything we do we need oh, for sure. feedback to see how to improve and of course we don't want the feedback to be like you guys should just die and quit already because that's not constructive we want to get better <laughs> But I, I think that before we die, yeah. how would you do this better? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I think if we're going to be doing things in house, that we also need to rely on I'm talking now to whoever's listening, you, the audience, we need your help to get better, especially if you like what we're doing and you want to see more of it. It's, you know, you're part of this team because you give us the thing that we can't get, which is criticism you know, constructive, helpful yeah. criticism. Yeah. Everyone listening is absolutely part of the creative process because without you, we'd be producing for ourselves into the air. And at that point, we would have no chance of getting better because we have no voices telling us what's good and what's bad. So absolutely. Constructive criticism is always welcome <laughs> tips whatever whatever you got i often spend many hours either walking or at work earbuds in and just listening to youtube videos usually on how to use a compressor how to balance your mixes how to compose you know the things that i want to do as a hobby i'm while i'm working trying to learn more about so if there's also any of those tips that you see like hey i know that they had a kind of weak spot here in their production let me show you this video. Like that's what we'd love to see. At least yeah. I would love yeah. to see it. No, I think I think that'd be really helpful for all of us. And I, I will say, you know, be kind and gentle. We are we are not professionals. We are. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to to sugarcoat things. But when you say like, "Well, I don't like your voice," that's not very constructive. <laughs> like, okay, but sure, we can find a different person to voice something. But um, if you're think, just going to be negative, yes. that that we don't. That's not constructive for us. Thank you. Saying something like, I don't like your voice versus I think your voice comes off as harsh when listening to it. Those are two, yeah, exactly. two completely different pieces of uh, criticism. And I think one is a little bit more valid than the other because it's backing it up with like actually how they feel and why they feel that way. I think that's always important. Well, uh, so along with talking about the cursing tree i did want to talk about kind of the music that we just listen to every day because i think a lot of us listen to a lot of soundtracks for movies and video games and everything in general and just like we are trying to make impactful music for our stories i wanted to see what you guys thought about different music that you hear throughout movies tvs whatever and how how the music can impact a scene when you're listening to it does that make sense Am I making sense? No. I think new host. Okay. <laughs> Please, anybody volunteer. Anybody can take this job. That's fine. Liam, you're up. Let's go. God, I love this host already. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Liam? Hello? Liam? 
Oh, okay. <laughs> he's a he's a robot mouse now. That's what it is. That's weird. What's happening, Liam? Hello. We can't Can hear you, Liam. You are literally a mouse. I'm not even joking. Every time you speak, he goes. Hello. There it is. So, Liam, how does it feel to be the new host of the One L Two One podcast? Hold up. I said no. By the way, when no. <laughs> <laughs> that, that when you guys were. He was like, all right, Liam, your new host. All I said was just no. Give it a good oh. pause. <laughs> to us, it sounded like, bleep. Yeah, yeah, we were just getting mouth squeaks. Yeah, it was literally, yeah, mouth squeaks. It was really oh, weird. Sounds like your problem. <laughs> well, so I, I do listen to a lot of soundtracks and video game music and things that kind of inspire me to write a little bit more. I actually used to be very, very embarrassed that that was something that I enjoyed. Like, I thought, why would you listen to a video game soundtrack? That's crazy. You know, like I, I love listening to it while I play a game, That's but wild. I never really listen to it. Can I get a little bit in more insight as to I, why? Because I'm the exact opposite. Someone asked me, I'm like, yeah, I listen to the God of War soundtrack or I listen to the <laughs> like the Mario Odyssey soundtrack. Like they're great. It's a little more mainstream these days. I will say this. So I used to work at a musical instruments retailer. And those were the most judgmental people in the world when it came to music. And it actually caused me to mm. not share what I liked with people for years. You know, I, I remember people laughing at my musical preferences and basically judging you for it and saying like, no, this is better. That's better. And I always hated that mentality because there's stuff that I enjoyed that I listened to that I wanted to share with people and I didn't want to get like laughed at or, you know, shamed. And I think it was the same way with yeah. video game music or with scores in general, where I, I love listening to orchestral scores and I love listening to video game music because it is such a unique art form and it is different than the stuff that you would typically hear on the radio or the five minute pop songs or rock songs or whatever that's that's so repetitive there's something about it to me that connects so much more so it wasn't until i got older and i matured and i grew and i decided i don't care what people think i'm going to like what i like and i'm going to start telling people what i like and if they don't like it i can't do anything about that like i can't change their opinion i can just be happy that i enjoy what i enjoy yes yeah, I, I guess that that to me was a, a big musical moment when I just realized I don't have to take inspiration from the things that others like. I can take inspiration on my own. I enjoy, I guess, what I was getting at. I enjoy all that music because it has a unique feeling to it and it can very rapidly put me back to a spot where I can imagine I can put myself into it. If I listen to Legend of Zelda soundtrack, pretty much any of the games i can mm. hear one of those tracks and immediately i can put myself back into oh, okay here i was i was going through hyrule field and i remember that this thing was chasing me and i was so scared as a kid and it just draws me back into it when i listen to any kind of like hollywood score for a movie it's the same thing i can go and put myself sort of in that experience whereas if i'm listening to a band i just don't have that same connection so to me the fact that i can recall a memory of me either watching or listening or playing or participating in an activity that's not just listening to music is why i like those things and what connects me back to it do you think the kind of music that you listen to made those moments within the stories more impactful sometimes i think sometimes when you when you watch something or, you know, you listen to something, sometimes the, the music brings you right back to that exact moment. Other times, the music is just a, a background noise that you don't really observe. I know Tommy, specifically, really loved Hans Zimmer's cracking theme for the Pirates of the Caribbean Part 2, whatever that was called. Amy, what's Dead it called? Chest. Dead Man's Chest. Yeah. Dead Man's Chest. <laughs> and I recently went through and I watched all the, the Pirates of the Caribbean movies because I knew Amy liked them and it'd been forever and I've only seen them like, like once them. or twice. I know. Love and, them. Yeah. So I, I wanted to get a, <laughs> so a fresh addicted. opinion on it. And after I watched it, I know Tommy was like, uh, and that Kraken theme, that music, oh, wasn't it awesome? And I went, what? I don't, I didn't remember it at all. I went back and listened mm. to it later and it just like totally was not in my memory. And I was like, oh, I mean, this is cool, but it doesn't bring me back to that that fight or that scene 
And was it because I was actually going to ask you this very question? I was going to ask you: Was there any particular music that didn't stick out to you because the scene was just either ridiculous or wasn't memorable? That the music wasn't enhancing it anyway. In any way, do you think that was one of those scenes where you're like, I don't really care? Or do you think it was the music where you're like, I the music you really didn't? I, care I don't about. think it was the music that I cared about. I think it depends upon. For me personally, my investment level of whatever I am watching, playing, you know, listening to. And it might have been at that point in the film where I I was not that invested and it was just happening. I knew it was going to happen because I'd seen it a long time ago. But maybe I just wasn't paying close attention and not drawn in as much. So maybe that's why it wasn't as impactful. I don't know. what, what Why did okay. it stick out for you specifically? I mean, for me specifically... Maybe because I'm I'm such an auditory based person that when I heard that specific theme for the first time, I was like, this is unlike anything I've ever heard in any soundtrack ever, or at least because I was pretty young when I, I listened to it. So it stuck out to me because it was the quote unquote sore thumb of music for me at the time. I was like, oh my gosh, they made like an organ and an electric guitar like blend in with a full orchestra. Like this is the coolest soundtrack that's ever existed to me. So when I see a scene like that, I'm more taken back to the moment I first heard the music and less taken back to that scene, which is hilarious enough. Because I think I think the Pirates movies are fun, but I think the Kraken theme is just on an entirely new level for me. And I'm like, this is one of Hans Zimmer's best pieces, in my opinion. So, I don't know. It's interesting that you felt that way. That's, I'm glad we had completely different opinions on this. I find that when I'm watching a movie and the music gives me chills, that's usually when that scene is more impactful for me because the music has kind of already taken me to a certain level. And so combined with whatever's happening, I feel like it enhances that scene. And I guess in the complete opposite, the scene that I always think about is in the third, oh, what's his name? Christopher Nolan Batman movie where Bane and Batman are fighting for the first time and there's no music. That even gave me chills because the, the movie had music the whole time except for this moment that was such an intense moment. And so I think, you know, both can be true. I think they can enhance those scenes or they can, well, I think they, the music, whether it's there or not, can, can really impact a scene for me. But it's usually, unlike the Kraken scene, it just like gives you chills because of like how they build it up. And it's like, like, like oh, it's like just doing that gave me chills. Yeah. And it was just my dumb voice. So I think it's, <laughs> uh, it's, it's music like that. I mean, for, I love the Pirates movies in general for the music. That's actually why I got so invested. Apparently, I had seen it before, and I didn't even know. And then I was in orchestra in school at the time, and we did a a Pirates of the Caribbean compilation, and I fell in love with the music, and that was it. That was the end for me. And then I fell in love with all of the Pirate movies because we had done this compilation of it. And so a lot of times I really, really love movies because they have such a strong soundtrack or they have such memorable songs that just really take you there. But I will say it's more of orchestral music rather than music that has words in it. So if you do like a pop song or just like a, a any kind of famous song, the only thing I can think of is like Ocean's Eleven where it's like, little less conversation, little more action, baby. That one, like that, like I remember that one, but it, I love those movies because they were fun, but not necessarily because of the soundtrack themselves. The soundtrack was like second Yeah, I couldn't tell you what music was in any of them. That's like a pretty like standard Vegas, <laughs> like anything that has to do with Vegas, that song's going to be in it. So yeah, it was like the theme music to the TV show Vegas. Oh, or was it oh, Las yeah, Vegas? Yeah. I can't remember. I think there you go. the most impactful thing, I guess, that a soundtrack can do for any piece of media is when there's an intense scene with the lack of music. I think when there's a hu- a very um like powerful soundtrack going on for most of the show or most of the movie or whatever and then there's a scene with no music or very little music it really 
lets you soak it in more. Really, it really enhances it. There's a lot of scenes I can think of. I remember I recently watched Blade Runner 2049, and there's a scene when they went to uh, Vegas, and uh, the fight scene there between Harrison Ford's character and Ryan Gosling, there was no music. And it was, it was, it made you really feel like the intensity of it. And it made you feel. It wasn't just that there was no music, is that there was an electronic thing that kept cutting on and off and on and off. Yeah, it had music, but you weren't actually getting to enjoy the music. Yeah, that too. That uh, it it was yeah. a really cool fight scene. I agree with you, Liam. It was an amazing fight scene. Another fight or another moment that really was it really let you sink in what just happened was in Game of Thrones. There's an outro music to every single episode. The only episode to not have outro music is the Reigns of Castamere after the Red Wedding. Where you have to now soak oh, yeah. in what just happened. <laughs> that was a really good moment. I actually it was think about it. so intense. I was wrong. like, I was waiting for the music and there was none. And I just had to sit there thinking about what in just complete shock. It was, it was a very good, smart choice. Yeah. For me, music connects me emotionally to whatever it is I'm experiencing and helps me to facilitate those feelings. So most of the time when there's a scene, especially fight scenes that don't have music, I don't enjoy them. Like the Dark Knight Rises scene. I didn't think it was a great scene because there was no music helping me to explore my feelings. It was just kind of there's fighting on screen, whatever. But Liam's example with After the Red Wedding, I'm sitting there emotionally overwhelmed and not knowing how to feel and the lack of music there. It was like, no, I need music to help me with my feelings, to help me express what's happening. And by denying me that music, I think added to the shock of that scene because it wouldn't let me express my emotions. Exactly. You were stuck in thought. It robbed me of characters and then... Like spoiler alert, yeah, froze my emotions, which added its own level of horror <laughs> to the scene. But generally speaking, I I need the music and complex music or intentional music, not just whatever music kind of thrown in, in order to really get absorbed into a story. One of the greatest examples of stories for me would be Battlestar Galactica. The music in that was uh, mostly done by Bear McCreary and he wrote Mm. riffs for individual characters. He wrote riffs for characters interacting with each other. So like in the background, you you're subconsciously already connecting things when you're hearing music come on. But there's also certain musical themes that go on throughout the entire series and build upon each other, kind of like what we're trying to do with, the cursing tree, right? You you're introduced to little elements over time that then build up and build up and build up. And the the payoff in the final season on the last episode was for me just unbelievable to spend, you know, like six years watching this show to finally get like everything culminates not just in the plot, but like with the music. They even add more like halfway through i think the third season they add it they introduce a new song it's all all along the watchtower which is already a song we know but they do it orchestrally and it has a very intentional purpose to the story and then they take they've taken little riffs of that song and built the story around that song and then they continue to build upon that throughout the rest of the series and it's just so clever to tell a story with music, it was like the music was its own character in that series to the point where when I went and rewatched it recently, it took me back to the emotions I was feeling in my everyday life when I originally first saw the show. I was just drawn immediately back to memories of the people in my life, to things going on and changes and excitement and all all kinds of things just flooded back. And I almost felt overwhelmed by this just memory draw that I was in just from watching a show because I was listening to the music and that was connecting to the emotions of my life. So... 
it's kind of like how when you smell something from your childhood, it instantly brings you back Mm -hmm. to memories of when you first smelled that thing. Yeah. And that's why I loved working with candles because they're, you know, you're constantly surrounded by all these smells and it's really fun to, to like, like all these random memories just pop up out of nowhere. You're like, (gasps) biking for the first time with, you know, the family, like, oh, this is great. (laughs) You know, just like kind of reliving these moments that you thought you forgot, but it's, it's sort of like you're unlocking these things that you, you're unlocking memories, you're unlocking memories you didn't know. So it's kind of cool that music Mm -hmm. does that. I mean, I guess it does it for me. I didn't even really think about it, but it it is kind of cool that the different senses will help you kind of unlock these memories that you had stored away for so long. So in my psychology classes, we talked about pathways, like neural pathways to memories and how if you're trying to recall something, don't just focus on it from one perspective. Try and focus on it from multiple avenues because your brain has multiple pathways to get to those individual memories and to strengthen those memories you actually want to reach that memory through different pathways so if you're remembering something through song through smell through certain words or feelings like it helps actually retain that memory and solidify it stronger for a much longer time Mm. so listen to the music over and over again (laughs) I will say to Missy's point that you said something interesting, like music tells you what to feel in some spots. It helps explain my feelings, I think. Yeah. I think that that is where music can be good or bad. True. Because when you are watching something and the emotion that you are reacting to has a disconnect from the music if the music is too epic in a you know a moment when it shouldn't be or too cheesy and you know sappy it's gonna draw you out of it more than it will add to that emotion and there's plenty of bad examples of it we usually talk about the good examples the things that we really enjoy because it's typically in a moment that added to that emotional state that we were kind of already in but you know guiding us along the way bad example tenant (laughs) yeah what's the sound of confusion (laughs) jazz (laughs) yeah Yeah, pretty much she Um, makes a point i think i think one of the a bad example liam and i watched this movie together and I can't remember the specific part, but it was Fury. And I, I feel like I remember the music swelling at a very underwhelming time. And oh, I was yeah. like, what's well, going on? Like, there was a I lot of just different laugh. moments. The Fury, the, that movie didn't know how to put the right music on in the right times. I remember there was this extremely sad moment. You remember there's like this, the, oh. the German girls that they <laughs> saved in this battle had just died from air raids and then there was there's like this one guy screaming and crying and victory music was playing i was like this is this doesn't work at all there's no this what is going on yeah what is trying to tell visually and through uh, (laughs) just visually in general it is failing to do in the music so it's like i don't know what you want me to think here i'm a little confused and i think i just ended up laughing a lot too because did not put the right music. There's, the music wasn't bad. It's just they didn't put it. No, the music wasn't bad. Yeah. It just wasn't the right music. They mixed the music around a bit better. Yeah. It would have been nice. It was like they weren't, whoever was doing it wasn't on the same page. It is, yeah, that's kind of what it felt like. It's, it's very humorous when something like that happens. When there's a huge disconnect between the emotion and the, the visuals and the auditory and everything is just in a weird state. And it usually makes me want to laugh. I know that it's just a very like, yeah. natural reaction. <laughs> I think most of the time I put myself into the position of somebody that was making it. And they were like, this is going to be the most epic moment in the world. <laughs> and they're like, so hyped for it. And then, you know, it's just like, a balloon leaking air it's just that's funny like i don't know i i feel bad because i understand that you know there there is that dream that you have to be an artist and to portray your work yeah. as best as you can and so i don't knock anybody for that but when those disconnects happen there is something that just always makes me laugh yeah confusion usually makes me laugh just because i'm like i don't know what's going on ha 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 
This isn't music related, but it it reminds me very clearly of a movie called First Night with Sean Connery. It's kind of a slow, boring King Arthur story. There wasn't really a lot going on. But there was this one scene where like the king is returning home with Guinevere and they have this like beautiful epic little nighttime praise the king with all the staffs on fire and forming like a gauntlet for him to walk under with like fire sticks or whatever. It was really visually nice, but it it was like, why is this scene here? You're just doing something because you had a neat idea. It did absolutely zero for the story and it had no it didn't keep in pace with the rest of the story it was just really bizarre even though it was really visually appealing it it kind of broke the flow of the story so i think that's kind of how a lot of times music does it too it's just if it's not the right music for the right moment it can just break what's happening it it breaks yeah i guess that's the the double-edged sword that you have to sort of balance on is it's either going to add to it or break it or just not be memorable so there's a third edge and there's a fourth edge where you start laughing so this sword is now like a mace (laughs) this sword sucks there's so many edges (laughs) yeah and i mean i know that once you all hear the cursing tree hopefully you hear what we were going for because it's it's not perfect and it never will be we've stopped our composition on it because we would constantly keep trying to make it better if we could but there has to be a point when you have to actually release something so hopefully when you guys listen to it you'll understand what we were trying to do behind it and if you find it cheesy tell us why if you find it good share it with your friends if you found it cheesy <laughs> also share it with your friends also share it with your friends yeah <laughs> we, we really just want feedback if That's you hate thing. us and everything we do share us with your friends yeah <laughs> share it with your friends you never yeah. heard of hate <laughs> mail <laughs> to tommy at one no, no, no. I know this is that was a really smooth transition to podcast ending, but there's one more thing I wanted to say. Absolutely, go for it. Guys. Yeah, yeah, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. What was I gonna say? I one of my favorite <laughs> one of my favorite types of scenes that music really enhances is when it's a scene with just music. And it tells the music tells its own oh, story. Yes. And I think those are probably my favorite scenes. They always were the best scenes, mm-hmm. at least for me. There, I'm always like, I love this. I'm, I am, I am in enlightenment the whole time. One of the examples I give is in Star Trek Into Darkness. There's the scene that a mother and a father have this daughter who's extremely ill, has some kind of disease that we're never told of, but it's looking like she's not going to make it. And during this, like, five to ten minute scene, the piano track that Michael Caccino plays during it is just so beautiful. It really shows you the emotions that both the mother and the father are feeling into the reveal of the villain at the end who says he's going to save the daughter. And it's a really amazing play, a really amazing piece of music. I recommend everybody to see that. Another example, which I think is more people have probably seen and recognize is once again in Game of Thrones and uh, the season finale of season six. What's it called? It's like the Sept of Baylor scene where it's the build up to the Sept exploding. Oh, and yeah. that yeah. whole scene. It's like, like an 11 minute sequence. No, it's, long, it's like 20 <laughs> minutes. And it is amazing. It is beautiful. The music really adds intensity, and you know something's happening with just music going down. And it's crazy. It's amazing. And my favorite scenes will always be the scenes where the music tells a story, and you just have to watch and listen. I was going to say, to add on that very specific one, it's a very short story that they tell, but I think it's done very well. We all know I'm a slut for <clears throat> Dune. So leaving Caladan, right? It's a great track, but then there is no like dialogue or sound effects on that specific thing. And then Hans Zimmer builds it up with this very epic sound that only lasts like, I think around a minute 27, like around there. And it's very short and it definitely rides that line of being like, why is this so epic? But because it's so short and concise and to the point, it tells the story right away. And it's like, you've seen it. We're moving on now. And I think it also helps that the director is also very good at visual storytelling. So 
Hans Zimmer enhancing that specific scene with his powerful music was great. But another yeah. example I can give of stories being kind of told through music would be the cursing tree. So you guys should definitely go listen to that. Um, that's exactly what we would love for you to hear. I mean, cause that's really, I mean, yes, we have narrative, but the music is also very much telling the story as well. We're excited for you guys to hear it. It'll be out soon. Mish, we'll see. Well, by the time they hear this, it'll already be out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. By the time they hear this, it's already out. And if you haven't listened to it yet, go listen to it. And if you have listened to it, tell everybody about it and then go listen to it again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. We really appreciate you guys using your time to listen to our shenanigans. We really hope you enjoyed. And we would love to hear from you. What are some memorable moments in the cursing tree that you listened to? Who did you share it with? <laughs> Who else are you going to share it with? Do you have any constructive feedback for us? Let us know. We would love to hear from you. You can reach us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Reddit. We are 1L2N Productions. And if you like what we're doing and you want to help show your support, you can head on over to our Patreon. We'd be greatly appreciative of that. And the last word of the day is going to go to me. Rigged. Rigged. Why is it always rigged when I'm the one roll? Like, if someone else roll it, then you guys roll it, and I'll be fine, and it won't be rigged. Mm-hmm.